Thank you for tuning in to Stories from the Market, a program of people sharing the threads that bind us together in this tapestry of life. Stories from the Market is a broadcast companion to the storytelling concert series put on by storyteller Jeanette Waddell and the Milledgeville Allied Arts. When the call to serve comes, will you be ready? That call came for Baldwin County Commissioner Emily Davis in 2008 when her mother, Geneva Bell Davis, announced her retirement from local politics. Hesitant at first, Emily Davis seized that opportunity and has since been elected four times to serve the community as a commissioner. Tonight on Stories from the Market, Davis recounts how her service continues a tradition in the Milledgeville Baldwin County community. Davis is the daughter of husband and wife commissioners Oscar and Geneva Davis, the first African-American man and woman commissioners in Baldwin County, and the tradition of service didn't start there. Emily Davis shared this family story on an auspicious day in the Davis household. Soon after the concert, she was off to join family in celebrating matriarch Geneva Bell Davis's 95th birthday. So let us return to the Allen's Market and share the story, Family Legacy, with tonight's featured storyteller, Baldwin County Commissioner, Emily Davis. Good afternoon. I, I told her when she called me, we had just planned a birthday dinner for Mama's 95th birthday. Her birthday is her birthday is actually Tuesday, but we doing this today, and I didn't know that Miss Stellas was gonna run late, so stuff just happens, you know. So I do apologize for my tardiness, and I just feel so rushed, you know. <laughs> And so, uh, right on time. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> but anyway, I'm uh, Emily Davis. I'm a county commissioner, second generation county commissioner. Both my parents were commissioner. My daddy was the first black commissioner elected. He served shy one year of four terms. My mom was the first woman county commissioner. And I tell people she just happened to be black. You know? <laughs> And uh, she served nine years. She finished out a year of my dad's last term and was elected twice. What's so bittersweet about it, in my opinion anyway, is that my dad died on the King holiday. They swore my mom in on the anniversary of King's assassination, April 4th. Your life is planned. I think that was very significant considering the work that my family has done over the years for civil rights and equal rights, period, for all people. I thought that was a very significant death date and a very significant swearing-in date for the first woman county commissioner of Milledgeville and Baldwin County. Had no plans of being a commissioner. It was not on my radar. <laughs> when I retired, I wanted to be a political consultant. In fact, I was headed in that direction because Senator Robert Brown, he and I were very close friends, Senator of the 25th for years, and he was my coach. He was coaching me to run campaigns. I had Cynthia McKinney, Andy Young. I had just been in some really top-name campaigns. I had just really enjoyed doing that, going everywhere, being everywhere, you know. And I used to say, you know, hey, I'm leaving Milledgeville. My dad used to say, no. Nah. <laughs> 
whether you know it or not, it's in your best interest to try to stay in Milledgeville. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really, please, you know, you know, this is not, oh, that wasn't really on my radar either, but you know. But I think from conception, your life is planned. From the day you are conceived, your life is planned. From the day you are named, your life is planned. I really do believe that. And with all the prayers that people send up for you that you know about and that you don't know about, especially a mama's prayer. You gotta work really hard to go wrong. If you go wrong, you gotta straighten it up right quick, you know? (laughs) So you won't end up, you know, clink, clink. (laughs) But I have enjoyed the ride. As County Commissioner, I've tried to do what I can for people. When my mom came and said, hey, I'm going to retire with these two other commissioners in 08, her statement to me was, are you ready? Because you're probably the only one of my children that, and I'm like, oh my goodness. I say, yeah, I'm ready. And I called a few people, Reverend Hill was one of the people I called. And I say, I say, hey, this is what's getting ready to happen. What do you think? And he said, go for it. He said, I got your back. You know, I said, well, thank you. Then I called a few more people, Reverend Reed, a few more people. I wanted to get that faith base first, you know, <laughs> and say, oh, God, what am I doing, you know? And so, but uh, it has worked out. This is my fourth term, which is my 13th year. And it's just been very challenging at times, interesting, very enjoyable, because you got to like people. People may not always like you, but you have to like them. One day my brother came to me and he said, you know, those people ain't never liked us. <laughs> you know, just like that. I said, well, I didn't know that. I said, but she had a problem and I helped her with it. And now every election cycle, she said, is there anything I can do for you? And she always send me some money in the mail, you know. But he said they never liked us, but you know, it's okay. You know, you don't expect everyone to like you. You're not gonna like everyone. Just do what you're supposed to do as a public servant for people. And it's on them if they don't like you. But it has really worked out. You know, I have a commissioner that tells me from time to time that I keep things too black and white. I keep it real. (laughs) Okay? And it doesn't matter what you look like if you call me. I'm going to try to do what I can to help you. But sometimes when you're at that table, you have to make it black and white, especially in executive session. And I try not to do that. I try to make it wrong and right, okay? But sometimes you have to let them see in executive session what they don't want to see, what they know is there, but they refuse to see, you know? Like I say, Xavier Session, I could tell you some things, but I can't tell you some things, you know. But it's been very rewarding. I have learned a lot. You know, I thought I knew some things because of Daddy and Mama being there. Nope, you don't know anything till you get there. Don't know anything till you get there. And I'm sure it's the same if you're in any other field, a minister, a teacher, whatever, because they did it. You think you know and you were in the house? Mm-mm. You haven't a clue until you show up, get there, and actually do that. You know, don't have a clue. I mean, the opportunities are just great. And I just hope 
that I'm doing a good enough job that I can continue to serve as long as I'm healthy and mentally able to serve and can still help people in the right way, lead them in the right direction, help them do the right thing. And sometimes it's the simplest things that you do that people will remember the most or the longest, such as a guy didn't have money for a box. He had to clean off a piece of property. So we worked it out to get, and, and you know, and I don't say, you know, how are you going to work this out? I don't want to know the details. I just need you to work it out, you know, because if you want this clean, people can't afford that all the time. So a lot of things people can't afford. You know, you can just look at the outside, but you don't know what's going on inside. And you can't take for granted because they retired or they working this job, making the X number of dollars. You don't know that. You don't know what's going on with them. You don't know who they're having to help, their parent or whoever. So you just can't take for granted. If they come for you for help, you need to help them, you know. And going back to saying that your life starts at conception is, you know, my grandfather, some of you in here know him on the Davis side, Sidney Davis, senior. He was a member of a biracial committee back in the late 50s, early 60s. <clears throat> and it was Dr. Body, old Dr. Body as we call him. It was Mr. D.P. Steele. It was Oscar Davis, a uh, gentleman that had a shoe shop. Mm. <laughs> no, the short gentleman. Mm. Mama told me he had a shoe shop. No, 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 no. This way, way back. He's back this tall on that picture. And, and Reverend Paul Roberts at El Bethel Church. The only one I didn't know was the gentleman that Mama say had the shoe shop. And they were part of a biracial committee here in Baldwin County. And you know what they did? They tried to handle racial issues. So some of the things that when it comes to racial issues, I can't help. It's just in me. You know, it's there. And what can you do? But it's always about right. Trying to be right and fair to everyone. You know, it does not matter. And, you know, once you do the right thing, then we're all going to benefit from it. All going to benefit. We all going to benefit from it, you know. Uh, huh. is there anything else you want me like I said, I'm just kind of, <laughs> you know, um, you know, my family was veterans. I had on my mom's side a great granddad that were in the, the Civil War. Well, great, great, great granddad that was in the Civil War. She had two brothers that was in Korea. On my dad's side, I had my granddad was in two granddads in World War I. My dad and her brother was in World War II. He had another brother in Korea. My dad told us a story about when he was in Guadalcanal, 110 degrees in the shade. The black soldiers got one canteen of water per day. You know, you remember that stuff when people tell you. When he got ready to come home, okay, he was spit on with his uniform on, spit on. You know, you don't forget those stories. You know, 
I remember growing up when my mama would wake us all up and put us all in the room because my daddy, Mr. London, your daddy, Jesse Burnett, Lewis Hewley, Mr. Blade, uh, I'm trying to think of who else, John Weeks, you know, right up there where Cowboy Bills used to be, they would burn crosses. It didn't matter if it was 3 p.m. or 3 a.m. They would get that posse together and they would ride shotgun to protect this community. Those are things when you grow up like that, it's no way you can forget where you come from. Okay? If you do, somebody needs to send you back. <laughs> you know, really, real, really. You know, you need a reality check. You know? Like I say, it's just been an interesting ride and I hope I'm doing a good job, you know. If I'm not, come and say, hey, you know, next time do this a little differently or try this this way. I don't have a problem with that. You got to tell me. If you don't tell me, I don't know, okay? If I'm walking down the street with a big hole in the back of my pants, if you don't tell me it's back there, I can't do anything about it. I can't go get it fixed. I can't put on another pair of pants. I can't do anything about it. Tell people. Tell people so they will know. Sit down and talk to them, you know, and let them know that, hey, try this. You know, have a list. You know, come to those kind of commissioners' meetings so you can't say, well, she's not fighting, you know, or he's not fighting. Come to those meetings. You can't tell me that every citizen in this community that gets up and go to a job or retire and get in their car and go somewhere every day, Walmart, drive the car around the block because they haven't driven in in a week or whatever the case may be, can't take the time to come to one county commission meeting, city council meeting, school board meeting. It's your community. You govern this community. You have to keep us accountable. You vote for us. Don't talk about us. Come and tell us. You know, just like you talk about the people. Don't talk about the preacher. If you've been going to that church 30 years, you ought to be able to call Reverend Reed or Reverend Fred or Reverend Hill or somebody say, Rev, can I chat with you for a minute? You know, meet them at the parking lot at McDonald's and have a milkshake and say, look, Rev, you did this. I really wish you would consider, you know, next time, you know, something else. Tell us, keep us accountable. Keep us on our toes. We are here for you. You put us here, you just like our mamas. Your mama brought you in the world, she can take you out. Okay? So you put us here, you can get rid of us. Okay? But if you don't tell us what we not doing, and some things we can't do. Okay? The county is a lot different than the city. It's a lot of things, and Reverend Hill knows this, it's a lot of things cities can do that counties can't do. A whole lot of things. You know, when it comes to money and different things, a lot of things cities can do that counties can't do. So we can't do, you say, well, the city did so-and-so. We may not can do that legally. You know, you're talking about legal. You know, you may not can do that, you know? So thank you for the invitation. <laughs> Is there any questions? Uh, any concerns I can take back to the table? <laughs> yes, Mr. Delaney. I wish I could pick it back off here and tell some of the stories when we were growing up about hanging out at the store. And
our next storyteller. Yeah, of course. You can really think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do have some stories. I, you know, right. hey, and that brings back to my one story about uh, Big Ben. Everybody know Eugene Reeves, Big yeah. Ben. We all hung out together at my dad's store over on Wayne Street. And I don't know what happened, but my dad hooked Big Ben because of something I told on him. You know, so my dad got a sissy, Miss Sissy say, yeah, tear him up. I said, it's all right. <laughs> you know, you could do that back then. You could do that in, in 1960 when we were five years old, you know. And so he got Big Ben, he got Jane Grace and Larry Grace, all three of them at the same time. But Larry and Jane didn't do nothing. You know, he just got them anyway, I guess. Anyway, Big Ben came up, I had on this red, I remember the dress, I had on a red dress, cute little red dress. Okay, Big Ben came up and boom, put me right, got me right back there. Flew home. We didn't see Big Ben for about a month. Missing, he wouldn't come out the house. You know, so it's stories like that that we remember. That you know, we're all good with these people now. You know what I mean? We didn't hold that in. You know, we were kids. You know, we didn't know like the time when Rudy Hotcher. We used to get Rudy Hotcher a bottle of hot sauce to let him drink it and hold a double cola in front of him. You know, he drinking the hot sauce. He get to drink the hot. You remember that? <laughs> Well, yeah, it's a lot of good stuff out there. I mean, you could just, if you really sit down and look back over your life, it's a whole lot of good things you could say. And, you know, the good days will eventually outweigh the bad. Because we all have some things in our past, you know, doors that we wouldn't knock on again. But life happens, you know. Life happens to all of us, you know. But, yeah, but that would be neat. Cause you'd be the next storyteller. And maybe it won't be next year on my mama's birthday and I won't be rushing. <laughs> but yeah, she's been, she was 95 on Tuesday. And God's grace and mercy, she has all her faculties. She keeps me straight. And, and she'll say, now, you know, when I was commissioning, we did this so and so and so. I said, I'm not going to do that like that. You know, I mean, so, you know, I say, I'm working with a different crew than you work with. You know, I said, so I got to do what I do. So, you know. All right, well, look, let me yield to you. And, uh, and I'm not going to stay. Like I say, I do apologize for my tardiness, but I didn't know it was going to kind of boomerang like it boomerang. But I got that pan of pig feet from Stella, so I'm waiting to get back to them. <laughs> and that pan of mac and cheese. But, yeah, but thank you. I appreciate your, your, your listening, your attendance, and I hope I said something that, you didn't know, if it's some things you want to know, just feel free to call me, 478-451-7105. I tell people I'm the easiest person in Missouri to find. Ask any deputy or any firefighter. They can tell you how to find me. And um, thank you again, and have a wonderful Valentine's. Love on somebody and, and be happy. That was Baldwin County Commissioner Emily Davis sharing the story, Family Legacy, during a storytelling concert recorded in February 2022. And an amazing thing happened when Emily Davis shared that story at the Allen's Market. Audience member Larry Lundy, a childhood friend of the Davis family, 
raised his hand and joined the program of storytellers with several reflections on his childhood growing up as a neighbor to three generations of Davis family in Milledgeville. I kept the tapes rolling that afternoon and collected just one more example of the magic that happens when storytellers gather together. So let's head back to the Allen's Market to hear Larry Lundy sharing memories of growing up with the Davis family in Milledgeville. Hello, my name is Larry Lundy and I, I grew up in Milledgeville and left Milledgeville through the 1972 draft, April the 18th. 1972 and practically I've been away probably 95% of that time since 72. I just want to piggyback on Emily's story and her family because we live about a block, block and a half from each other growing up and we always had to walk by the store, their store at the time on Wayne Street to get to Carver elementary school and all the kids would share I remember the stories when we would go in that if I bought five cookies today I probably wouldn't eat but one because I was going to share with the rest of the kids and next day might be the same thing person might buy a double cola and you see five people passing the ball <laughs> because they were broke yeah, but keep in mind, you didn't have the food stamps and feeding the kids in school at that time. So we learned to carry that little bag with us to school and share. Also piggybacking, when I was five years old, my mother kept buttering me up to cross Martin Luther King. It was two-lane highway then, I think, what, what Montgomery or whatever the name of Montgomery Street, long and then. Gwinnett, Gwinnett Street, long and then. It's a two-lane road. My mother used to take me to the corner and say, one day you're going to be able to cross this street. And she kept buttering me up, buttering me up. So I was five years old. I never will forget it. She took me down to the corner. She said, now you need to look left, you need to look right, and you need to look left again. And then you run across the street. So she let me practice. So I made it across the street and made it back. I didn't know that I was going to have to walk to the store that day at five years old. <laughs> she gave me a little piece of money. She said, I want you to go to Mr. Austin's store and pick up a loaf of bread. I used that for an example. Oh boy, five years old. Having to walk about two and a half blocks, right? If I would guess. I tried it. I crossed that road running. I looked left and right. I made it to the store, looked up at the door, didn't go up the steps. Looked up at the door, said, this door is closed. Turned around, walked back home, made it across the street, went home, told my mother, store closed. She said, no, it can't be closed. Long and then, many people didn't have a uh, Telephone, so she went across the street to Miss Sarah Reed's house, called Miss Geneva, said her mother, Miss Geneva, said, No, we open. <laughs> <laughs> so I may have to make that move again. I'm going to call the street, call the street again. Uh, in one day, five years old. 
I made it to the store, and Miss Jenny was waiting on me at the door, you know. So, anyway, another story I can remember is that was a stop for all the little kids going to school to Carver. They would stop by that store either going to school or coming back with their nickel or their dime in their pocket. Yeah. And also one of the uh, things Emily didn't mention is a granddaddy lived across the street from the store, Mr. Sidney David. And we didn't have many people to look up to, Dr. Barty, Mr. Sidney, and several more, you know what I mean? Uh, maybe Mr. Griffin, you know, that had businesses and Mr. stuff, Graham. and people would look. Mr. Graham, the, the principal, and uh, it wasn't a lot of people, but anyway, Mr. Sidney used to always have that blue Cadillac. If I remember straight, it was blue. Brand new Cadillac sitting over there. You know, we little kids, oh, one day I'm gonna be like Mr. Sidney. I'm gonna have me one of those Cadillacs, right? Mr. Barty, we, we also used to go to this house because blacks didn't have a garage over there. <laughs> Mr. Barty, Mr. Barty could pull up there and hit that garage over You know, little old kid. Oh boy. One day I'm gonna have me a house with a garage over <laughs> uh, Maybe I shouldn't be telling this, but I'm gonna tell it anyway. When Mr. Sidney passed, her granddaddy passed, my daddy, which was a friend of her daddy and had served in the Pacific during World War II together, and then they came back to Millersville. My daddy was a brick relief through the grants you get to go to college uh, for the military. Mm -hmm. yeah. The old GI Bill, yeah. the old GI Bill. So he became a brick layer. so he was building one of the uh, many apartments Mr. Oster had throughout the north side. I was helping my dad, I must have been about 11 years old, trying to pick up those big blocks. And when Austin Jr. came and said, Daddy, Mr. Austin was standing there with my daddy, and I was off to the side. He said, Big Daddy didn't die. And Mr. Austin's daddy died, and we were standing at that apartment building where we had been working. And I always tell that story because it's, it's just like, even though I'm probably 11 years old, it's just like it was yesterday, remembering that story. But their family was very instrumental in helping black people in this, on the north side anyway, in the community, right? You could go there, and you didn't have a food stamp now, and then you, if you'd have broken and lost your job or whatever, you better be able to go out to the office and look here, I need to get, I need to get about five dollars to get me through the next week. Either Miss Jenny or Mr. Austin, go ahead and get it, you know. And there's a lot of people had to go there and get some food to put on the table. Because you take for granted food stamps and everything, but like I said, you didn't have it then. And not if you were black, you didn't have it, right? And then the ones that maybe could have got food stamps didn't want to go through all them changes with that papers and all. So they would just do without. But anyway, thanks for allowing me to say a few words on your family. Thank you for being a Which one? Mm -hmm. The one right that across from the Christine. Right. Directly across the street. Yeah. I didn't know if you remember that or not. No. Thank you. That was that was really wonderful. Wonderful.
Well, I tell you, this has really been a day of abundance. Yes. It didn't start out that way. We lost a story, one storyteller, and we gained two. I like that math because that's God's math. That was Larry Lundy, an audience member at our February 2022 concert who took the floor and shared reflections on the Davis family legacy of service to the Milledgeville Baldwin County community. And that concludes this edition of Stories from the Market. If you enjoyed our show, please consider becoming one of our storytellers. To do that, you can contact WRGC at 478-445-8830 or by emailing storyteller Jeanette Waddell at vaughnfamily21 at juno.com. Stories from the Market is a co-production of the Milledgeville Allied Arts and storyteller Jeanette Waddell. Tonight's program was produced for radio by yours truly, Daniel McDonald. I want to thank you for spending this portion of the evening with me here on Stories from the Market. I hope you enjoyed our time together, and I want you to know that I look forward to hearing you soon.